Welcome back to Small College Conversations uh, presented by our friends at Blue Frame Technology. I'm Jim Abbott. I'm the founder of the Business of Small College Athletics. I'm joined today by Troy Tucker. Troy is the Athletic Director at Northampton Community College. Troy, thanks for joining us today. Jim, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm excited to have this time together. I, I think you have a, a very unique background that folks can, can learn an awful lot from. I want to start with, with your start in this business. You, you started as an athletic director at Jamestown Community College, and your first job in that position was to begin an athletic department. So tell us a little bit about how you got started, and then, and then tell us a little bit about that work of beginning an athletic program. Yeah, I think like a lot of people, I, I went to a very, you know, very small high school, you know, K through 12, one building, 45 students. It was a public school, you know, small country, you know, backwoods up in New York and uh, went off to college, unsure what I wanted to do and, uh, you know, kind of got into athletics working at uh, a division three school there with intramurals and things, which led to graduate school at Springfield College in Massachusetts. And when I graduated from there, um, this job at Jamestown Community College was posted and, uh, you know, intramurals, athletics, student life, the whole thing. And, you know, I'm 23, you know, it's fairly close to home, you know, where I grew up. And I said, yeah, you know, that's, that's all me. And I interviewed for the job. And so in October of 92, I uh, took that position. And at that point, this, the Jamestown I was at was in Cattaraugus County, which is Olean, St. Bonaventure, that, that part of New York. And they were a branch campus of Jamestown Community College in Jamestown, New York, which is very close to Erie, Pennsylvania, and about 50 miles apart. And at that point, the Olean campus where I was, that's where soccer was hosted. The other sports played in Jamestown. So students could commute the 50 miles each way to practice. So if you were in Jamestown wanted to play soccer in Olean, you could drive to Olean every day for practice and vice versa for baseball, softball, and all the sports the main campus offered. So after the first year of that, you know, I went to the administration. And I said, hey, this, this doesn't really work. I think we could offer our own sports here and kind of break apart and, and have a separate program and, you know, get some students here on our campus. And, you know, after going through the process and selling to the right people, we were able to become the Jamestown Community College Jaguars and they were the Jayhawks and we actually would compete against them. We were in the same conference and uh, we started out with basketball and softball and we started to increase, you know, add a couple sports uh, soccer and a few other things. Um, but then right after that point, after we got moving is when I, when I moved on to, to Uville College in Buffalo, but it was unique, you know, I, again, doing student life and doing that. And, you know, you have to go uh, put on a run student government and then you're putting on a, a Valentine's day dance. And then you're trying to go to, <laughs> get ready for a softball game. So, it, but again, you're 23, you think, you know, everything, you know, and uh, you learned a lot really quick and, um, you know, I wouldn't change it. You know, I think it, it makes you who you are today uh, when you get to do all that stuff from the ground up. And, um, you know, it, it led to, uh, to a lot of other things down the road. I just, if you or I were a college president right now thinking about athletics, I, can, I can't imagine hiring a 23-year-old to try to do that. <laughs> no, and I think I got lucky, you know, that in the fact that, you know, one, it, was, it wasn't a job back in 1993 that was paying a lot, but it seemed like it was paying a lot to me. Um, it was kind of an unknown branch campus and, you know, I'm not sure how many applicants they got. I mean, I might've been the only one for, for all I know, but, uh, you know, I look back now and, you know, it, it worked out in my favor and, you know, it really did give me a lot of, 
you know, background experience that, you know, st things you still kind of, you know, uh, utilize today when you look back and some things you made mistakes on and people corrected you and, um, you know, it's something, again, in, in our day and age now, I don't think we've, none of us probably don't make these mistakes, but again, on the student life side of things, I still remember a faculty member coming to me and I put up a poster back then, you know, we put up posters because the internet wasn't big and, you know, Christmas dance, you know, and she came to me and it's the holiday dance, not Christmas. You don't, and, I, and you know, so again, you, you learn, I, I didn't think twice about it. I wasn't meaning it to be offensive, but you know, again, one of those things and that, that stuck with me to today. I still remember that woman, computer science teacher coming into my office with that poster in her hand telling me, that's not the right terminology. So, uh, you know, live and learn. Uh, wow. Well, at our at the stage you and I are at in our career, you know, I don't have stories exactly like that, but I, I know that I, I sort of bravely entered into some areas with confidence that was not backed by capability. Uh, sometimes you just have to believe and, and do your best and achieve and uh, I just think that's a pretty remarkable start. Um, you know, you've talked a little bit about the fact that you've been at more than one institution. And so you have you have been an athletic director actually at four different institutions. Um, talk a little bit about uh, how you try to get started. And so when you come into a new uh, position, and I'm, I'm going to discount that first one because I think really drinking from the fire hose, but... When you start as a new athletic director in a, in a new at a new school, what are the things that you try to do in those early days? Some some folks talk about the first hundred days, but you know, what are the immediate areas that you try to uh, get engaged in? And I think it was different at the different places I went to, based on where they were with athletics. You know, the first one, as you mentioned, that was a whole different scenario. I moved down to Deuville College, which was a small private school, four-year up in uh, Buffalo, New York, and athletics was really a novice type thing there. So it was kind of starting that program from scratch as well. Um, and then moving on to Herkimer County Community College, which was a very well-established, very successful junior college program, very large up in central New York. Um, so again, the, kind of those things were a little different, but I think the genesis behind the, the whole process was trying to meet as many people on campus as possible. Um, obviously you always hear people talk about listening and I, I think that's important, but I wanted to get their perspective on the program. And so maybe at Deuville was like, what do you think this program could be? And where maybe at Herkimer, it was more, you know, what's your view of the program? You know, what could it do better? You know, what are some issues in your mind, whether it be from faculty and, you know, student athletes, their, their actions on campus, things of that nature. So it was, just spend a lot of time. You, you try to find out who the power brokers are, you know, who are the people you want to meet first who really could have some influence and help you out. Um, and also try to meet some people that maybe are naysayers, you know, and try to see if you can change their mind and bring them on board with your vision and what you have planned for the program and what you think the program could do for the institution. And, you know, I think that's been vital. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, you'll see posts every once in a while, you know, these days on Twitter or someplace, but it's, it's really true. And I remember this from grad school, you know, it was meeting the physical plant guys right off the bat, you know, and making sure you had them and, um, you know, that they believed in you. And, and I've always been a believer, Jim, and, you know, I'm a roll up the sleeves, you know, again, I'm a backwoods country person at, at heart. And, 
to go out and help those guys and do a lot of the work myself. And, you know, I think that that really sold a lot of them at those places. When they see you go out and willing to do it as well, they're much more willing to help you. And, you know, I've tried to keep that, you know, kind of as a, you know, one of the main characteristics or things that I've taken with me at all the institutions is, you know, try to go out and be a part of it and, and not just stand back. And I, I just, I really believe that that's crucial and critical that those people see that. And I think they're much more willing to drop what they're doing if you really need them in a pinch to, to come and help you out. That's a great, we, we could do an entire session about uh, uh, inter-campus relationships. Um, it's interesting to me, you know, there's a lot of uh, education that has to happen when you're a new athletic director. So you're, you're trying to get a feel for your coaches and what, what their needs are and what their challenges are. And then you're talking to higher administration to understand what their expectations are. Um, for me, I always found it interesting because I might, you know, you might hear from a coach, oh, you, you know, you don't want to deal with Troy because Troy's nobody likes Troy or Troy doesn't like us. But I always felt as a new person in a leadership position, well, I've got an opportunity to maybe mend that relationship. Uh, maybe traditionally we haven't gotten along, but um, but I have that opportunity. And <laughs> of course, sometimes what you realize is, yeah, they're right. That Troy, he's never gonna like us and, and I'm gonna stay away from him. Uh, well, I um, when I look at your, uh, career, uh, I would look at you and I would define you as a small college athletic director. Um, but I can't help but notice that in the midst of stops at relatively small institutions, um, you also spent four years at the University of Maryland as uh, an associate athletic director. In fact, the four years prior to coming to Northampton, you were at the University of Maryland. So what led you to that opportunity at Maryland and, and a larger Division One institution? And then what kind of led you back to where you're at now? Well, and this, <laughs> this story is, uh, you know, again, I've been asked this a lot over the years because, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense when people see their trajectory and, you know, how did it happen? And, you know, sometimes people get pigeonholed at certain levels and you, you, you want to get out and, I tell people all the time, I, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but I don't think a lot of younger people out there right now in the profession, you know, in grad school or just starting out, you know, have the aspirations as a young professional to be a junior college athletic director. You know, I, I think, you know, you're, we've all, what do we see on TV? You know, you say, hey, I want to be in the Big East. I want to be in the ACC. I want to be one of those guys that I see on TV. And, uh, and once you learn more about it, you understand the different levels and how it works and you know, what the ramifications are at the different levels and the expectations. And, and again, when I going up through it um, at those different places, uh, I had been in it about 13 years and I just you know, really wanted to try to break through and send a lot of applications to different places during the time, whether it be at Jamestown, Duville, Herkimer. And ironically, I was at Duville 96 to 99 and applied for the Herkimer job, but also applied for a job at Maryland at that point. Took the job at Herkimer uh, as the AD and uh, had just gotten married in 98. Um, so we moved to Herkimer and uh, bought a house. I start there. I'm, I've been the AD at Herkimer for literally eight days. And University of Maryland calls. It was actually Rob Mullins, who's the AD at Oregon now, calls me and says, Troy, we'd like to offer you the job at Maryland. <laughs> 
I'm kind of, you know, I'm in shock. I'm sitting here in my office. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, just took this job, been here a week and uh, went home, talked to my wife and we're like, well, you just bought a house, the whole thing. It just, the timing was just off by literally, you know, a few weeks and, uh, you know, told Rob, no, sent a, I sent a letter to Debbie Yao, who was the athletic director at that point and just thanked her so much for the opportunity, um, gave her all my reasoning and said, I, just, I hope that this doesn't hurt me one day. If there's another opening, the timing's better. I'd, you know, I'd love to be able to come back and be part of the Terrapin family. And, um, you know, so kind of questioned it for a little while because you're like, is that chance ever going to come again? Um, but at the same time, you know, Herkimer was a 23 sport program with really good facilities, a lot of full-time coaches. So it gave me a lot of experience in areas I didn't have a lot of experience in because okay. Newville and Jamestown, I didn't really, they're just part-time coaches, didn't really have staff. So really had a, a chance there to really kind of, you know, uh, increase my toolbox, you know, put some more things in there and learn a lot that I, that I probably just didn't know and, and wouldn't have staying at some of those smaller places. But then uh, 2004, um, you know, Maryland's got a couple jobs uh, posted and, and I applied for them again. And, uh, you know, Jim, I know you're huge into networking and, you know, how important that is and, you know, whether it be through your organization or NACTA or the different things that we've all gone to. And I had been a pretty regular at NACTA and still am part of NACTA and Natica. And it was in Dallas that year. And I'm down there in June and uh, I'm down in the lobby at the hotel, get into the elevator to go up to my room and uh, ironically, I go to push my button and somebody else pushes a button. I look over and it's Debbie Yao. And as uh, you know, and my friend behind me is like nudging me with his elbow because he knows that I've applied at Maryland. And uh, so we uh, we go up and I said, you know, Dr. Yao, you know, introduce myself, Troy Tucker. And she, oh, Troy, how have you been? Kind of remembered from years ago. And I said, oh, I just applied for another one of your jobs and, you know, be really interested in working in College Park. And, you know, of course, and, you know, Debbie's always very busy on the move. And, uh, you know, she gets to her floor and gets out. And, Great to see you. And she's gone. And we have a couple more floors to go. And my friend, you know, the two of us on there and he's like, you blew it. <laughs> you know, I just remember him. And uh, so we're laughing about that. NACT is over. I go back home and literally a week later, I get a call from Maryland. They want me to come and they fly me down and my wife down to interview for uh, the associate AD for uh, administration position and uh, got hired, uh, took the role and, and loved it. You know, we loved College Park. My wife's family's from Maryland. So it was really a good fit for us. Uh, we had two kids at that point when we moved there and it, it was a lot of what I expected, a lot of some things I didn't expect at that level, you know, the, you know, things that you maybe don't think happen the way they do. Um, I still remember running to Gary Williams the first time in the hallway and I'd only seen him on TV all those years. And you're kind of like took a step back when you saw him and, and you got, you got to know him obviously. And, you know, just, a, you know, a great, great person. And um, so it really was eye opening. learned so much there from Debbie and the other staff. There's just so many great staff members on that, that staff, those four years who've all gone on to become, you know, ADs at different division one schools, division two schools around the country. And it was really a great thing. And we really felt Jim, honestly, it was going to be, you know, be there five to eight years and probably get a small division one job out of that, hopefully. And then, you know, kind of keep that ladder going. And, um, you know, one of those things in life, we got thrown a curveball. We, uh, we had a third child while we were there. Uh, he was born in 2005. We had got there in 04 and uh, we found out that uh, he was autistic. And uh, so it really, it kind of changed our, you know, course of life a little bit. We had two young kids and then with him, 
as well. And it, you know, to Gary Williams' credit, he got us an appointment, helped us get an appointment at Kennedy Krieger, which is a great autism clinic up in Baltimore. And, you know, we were able to get some help, but, you know, it was one of those things we had to make a family decision. You know, obviously that level requires the time commitment is, you know, it's, uh, you know, as people with Debbie would tell you, it's not a 50-50, you know, work-life balance. It's a, it's a 90-10 or whatever. And no disrespect meant by that. It just, it is what it is at that level. So we had to make a decision and, you know, we said, well, let's try to get back to a level where I know I can kind of have a little bit more uh, control over my schedule. Uh, we wanted to look around. My family was in New York. Hers was in Maryland. And uh, you have a job at Northampton opened up and we came and looked at it. I thought it was kind of a diamond in the rough. They were not in the NJCA at that point, um, but they had some really nice facilities in a great location right on the Jersey border uh, here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So, you know, things fell into place and, you know, 13 years later, um, you know, I've been able to do a lot of stuff with my kids growing up that I might've missed out upon, you know, during my time. Um, if I was stayed at that level, um, you know, you don't know for sure, but you know, things have worked out really well. And so it's, um, there's always those days you look back and you see some of your colleagues get a division one job and you're like, you know, you kind of shrug a little bit, but you know, it was great. I love the experience. I've stayed in touch with a lot of those guys. I still go back down every year to a game and still have friends there. And, uh, you know, again, wouldn't have changed it. It was the right decision at the time. And, you know, life, life happened. I hear you. I, I, I did not know the answer to that question when I put it together and I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. You know, I, I we face this with students. So many students kind of have this idea of you got to go Division One. Um, I worked a couple of years in Division One, and sort of similar to you. I mean, I actually got out of athletics for a period of time, and, and it was it was based on the happiness of my family. Um, and ultimately, um, that's a pretty dang important thing. And and what we learn in life is that. It's not just all easy decisions, um, but I think that's a great story and a great reminder that if you don't, if you're not able to take care of the rest of the business in your life, then wherever you're at, it's not going to be a very fulfilling experience. Uh, so I appreciate your willingness to share that. That's a great story. Um, it seems to me that you, even though you've moved into a position that wasn't going to require as much of your time, you still have a very full schedule because I know that you're very actively involved in the NJCAA. You're a Region 19 uh, Executive Director. You're a member of the NJCAA Board of Regents. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about the work involved in those positions and, and maybe some of the benefits and, and hardships, if you will, of being involved on a national level? Yeah, I think a lot of it was, you know, I felt that it would be one beneficial for our school because we were new to the NJCA 13 years ago. And so I knew the involvement was something that would be important to help get our name out there. So even if our, maybe our program wasn't successful right off the bat, people would start to hear Northampton, Northampton due to involvement in, in different things. And so uh, that was kind of the initial thrust of it was to help the institution. Once we got up and some of our programs kind of took off and had some success nationally, um, and the program started kind of, I don't say run on its own, but the coaches were doing a great job. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to go out and take on some more leadership roles that I wanted to do because I felt I could add something, you know, at, at this level and, and provide some time. And and it was really, 
you know, in our region, we had some leaders who had been there for a long time and they, they got ready to step down um, in the region leadership roles. And um, so I stepped in and took that over and we have 31 schools in region 19. So it's, it's kind of like being the commissioner of a 31 school conference. Um, all we have, you know, whatever meetings on an annual basis and, you know, the rules and protocols and sports codes and, you know, all the different things that like any conference anybody's in. And it's, um, there's days that it's busy. I mean, I oversee the website, you know, and keep the website up to date for our region and things of that nature. And, um, but it's, it's a great group. Um, you know, COVID has really brought the group together. You know, you, I, a lot of people, I think you would feel like you kind of get separated. I think you know, these Zoom meetings, we started to meet weekly, you know, so we, it really brought us closer from that standpoint. And it's been, uh, it's been good. But as you know, anytime you're in a position of leadership like that, there's going to be days that people don't like you. And, you know, last February, um, or uh, I guess March, I'm sorry, last March, you know, when I made the decision to shut down Region 19 championships, there was a lot of people in the region who didn't like me. Um, there was also a lot of people that said, thank you for making the decision because now I don't have to make it. You made it for me. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, that's part of it. And you take that on and there's, there's good and bad. And ultimately, as long as you feel like you're, you know, making the decision that's best for the, for the greater good, you know, I think you can, you can sleep at night. And so that's, that's been great. The NJCA part is something I've really cherished as well to, to get involved at that level, be one of 37 people in the country that oversee the 520 schools, um, you know, be able to work with Dr. Parker on a, you know, daily, weekly basis and, and interact with the, you know, with the, uh, the cabinet level individuals at the NJCA and be part of the, you know, the, the rules and things of that, of that stature um, at the NJCA level. So it's been really good. It's been good for our institution. The school's been really supportive of it. And, uh, you know, for me, it's a, it's kind of that, you know, some of the job here, honestly, is, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty similar day to day. And, you know, this stuff is nice. It's a little more intellectual and kind of can push you a little bit more on some of the national stuff and make you think and, and just a chance to be involved with a lot of people nationally. You know, I enjoy that. Uh, I've missed some of the in-person meetings, but, you know, um, just a chance to, to still, you know, talk to a lot of people throughout the country on different issues has been very rewarding. I've, I really encourage people to be involved beyond their campus. Um, I think it takes, it takes a little time. You better be pretty comfortable with what you're doing before you, you know, spread yourself into other areas, but it can, it can, it strengthens the organization that you're a part of. It, it, you're aware of issues earlier in the process, and uh, I admire what you're doing. Now, now I say that, and then I think, well, gosh, um, this year you were selected as the chairman of the NJCA Eligibility Committee. And in any year, I would think that would be a, a challenging position but this year in particular with COVID related issues, you know, granting participation waivers, uh, making decisions on eligibility standards, uh, take us through what this year has been like for you and your committee uh, uh, regarding uh, eligibility. Yeah, when they, when they called me in, uh, I think it was August, maybe end of July, they called and said, you know, we've, you know, we've selected you to be the new chair of eligibility for the NJCAA and you know you at first it's kind of overwhelmed it's like boy that's a you know that's a lot you feel like you're a lot on your shoulders you don't want to let somebody down and you know you think like you said workload and things of that nature but 
had a, I've got a really, really good committee. Uh, we've, we've dug into it this year. And obviously COVID is really, you know, we haven't had the ability to do some of the things that I'd like to do. We need to dig into our rule book and our eligibility rules and, you know, be able to really look at those and dissect those and what could we change to help students and help institutions. This year's mainly been exactly what you said. I mean, we, we granted the, the year of participation waiver in all of our sports. Um, you know, that took a lot of time and discussion. Um, you know, we've had the, we have a COVID hardship committee that's dealing right now with students who don't meet our eligibility standards. Schools can send in, um, you know, a form and documentation, you know, that maybe the student had COVID or maybe they were taking care of a COVID uh, patient or maybe they just had internet issues. And, uh, you know, so we're trying to go through all those and try to be as student friendly as possible um, to get these students eligible to participate. Um, and then even things like just our overall eligibility rules, we, you know, we have some rules that are pretty black and white and in order to play, you need to pass 12 credits with a 2.0 in the last semester. As a second year, you need 24 with a 2.0. Um, but, you know, we put in what's referred to as the, the minus six. If you were a full-time student in spring of 20, you get a negative, you can have a negative six. So basically you can have, um, you know, if you needed 24, you can be at 18 at this point. So. Again, just accounting for the fact in that semester, students didn't know what they were opting into. You know, this was thrown upon or thrust upon them in March. Um, we did not put that in for fall because kind of you knew what you were kind of signing up for. Though it wasn't great, you knew it was going to be virtual probably for the most part, you know, at least here in the East. Um, so we, you know, I think we've done a good job trying to protect the students as much as possible and, and think about their needs. But yeah, it's been it's been a full year, and I, and I said to Dr. Parker the other day and and Mick McDaniel, who's the board chair, you know, it's challenging. And I said, I think what the other part is that people will never probably remember is it's challenging that we've, we've never as a group got to meet face to face. You know, we meet via Zoom. We've never had that chance to get in a room and say, hey, let's talk about, you know, rule, you know, Article 5, C2. You know, it's just, it's always like this or through email. And to me, that's a little more challenging. And I'd, I'd like to be in a room with them and a whiteboard and, you know, putting stuff up and talking it through. But, you know, again, you talk about the last piece, Jim, was, you know, just intellectually, it kind of feels like you're getting another degree. It feels like you're, you know, you're, you're growing as an administrator. I mean, I'm 52 now and it, it makes me feel like I'm, I've learned a lot this year. I think sometimes we plateau. Um, I know you, know you love to read a lot and we can get out and do things. And, but I would say that to other people. I mean, Take on a challenge that pushes you a little bit. Now, this I knew this was going to push me a little bit. Uh, I feel really good and comfortable with it now. But at, at first, you, you know, you felt a little like that new job, or you felt back like when you're young again. That, and uh, but it's been good. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I would imagine it, it really impacts your perspective um, because, you know, you have had. 20 years of experience or, or more than 20 years of experience. But then when you join a committee like this and when you chair a committee like this and you see some of these situations that come up and you <laughs> and you think, wow, you know, I've done this and, and I've sort of, your experience shapes your view and then you're faced with something you've never even contemplated before. Yeah, it definitely. And there's some things that happen. And again, I, I say our level, but I'm sure it happens all over the country. But there's some things that happen here, or things you hear from kids, and you think it can't be true, but it is. And it really does, you know, change your perspective on things. And you really try to, um, you know, look at it from a student athlete's perspective and what they're going through. 
or an institution's perspective. And you know, we've tried to be as accommodating as possible while yet keeping, you know, the mindset that we want, you know, we, we need to have rules and regulations, but you know, just trying to help students get through this and and quite honestly, some institutions um, to make it through this because this is a challenging time for for institutions you know, trying to get through this pandemic. No doubt. Regardless of the level, it is it's very challenging. So uh, final question for me, Troy, is a, maybe a little broader, maybe a little forward looking. Um, but I, I want your perspective really on what one or two of the most pressing issues that you think there are out there, specifically as it relates to two-year college athletic departments. I think the one we were just kind of talking about, and I, I don't like it, but it's 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 real, is I think COVID is some schools are going to use COVID as the reason to get rid of their athletic department at the two-year level, and I, I think we're seeing that even at you know the four-year level, the NAI level, whatever it may be, maybe not athletic programs, but some teams that we've seen go away and you know, COVID maybe being used as the excuse, and, and maybe it is, and I don't want to mean it's not the reason, but and I just see it at our level that there are some programs that are that are going away. They say saying they're going to shut down for the year, but I have a feeling it's going to be more than that, and we've had some that have, you know, closed the doors, and um, that makes me nervous on our level, you know, what's going to happen with that, um, you know, state funding, you know, I'm very concerned about that, as I think all levels are, but, you know, the community colleges, typically uh, funding in some states is not probably what it needs to be the model of the 33-33-33 of, you know, tuition, state, and local funding is probably not in the balance that it needs to be. And uh, I think we're, you know, athletics is the thing, as I've always said, when you go sit at that table, and a lot of us, have, you know, report in a student affairs division, typically uh, at our level, and you sit around that room and I tell people all the time, look around the room and tell me which department you don't need. I mean, you can't get rid of admissions. You can't get rid of financial aid. You can't, I said, but athletics is the one maybe you don't have to have. And I said, so we need to go into that room and sell why we're here. And uh, so, you know, to answer your question, I just think that's the part we need to be able to go in and sell why we're here and get through this pandemic um, and show our worth. And especially at the division three level, like I am, you know, we're not giving these scholarships to these student athletes. So these kids are all revenue producers in tuition. And, you know, we have dorms on our school. So, you know, the residence hall students, I mean, you know, we have to show that our income, you know, outweighs, you know, what our expenses are. And I think that's important for all schools to be able to show that, because I think that's going to be a big help when you, if you get called into one of those meetings to be able to, you know, show the benefit of your program, not just in wins and losses and promotions, but in terms of dollars and cents. I couldn't remember, uh, uh, Troy. Um, I, I tell you what, I feel like I could talk to you all after. <laughs> I know that you've mentioned you have 32 inches of snow, so you, I, yeah. you probably need to get out there and shovel a little. <laughs> um, I'm grateful to you for taking some time to visit today. Uh, again, I'm grateful to Blue Frame Technology for sponsoring Small College Conversations. And uh, Troy, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us. No, thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. And thanks for what you do for all the small colleges around the country.